Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Erica Singh, Zayden Bergera, Katrina Johnston, and Mia Lettinen. CFRC's news programming is also brought to you through the support of the local journalism initiative, Queen's University, Little Eyewear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. At their meeting earlier this week, Council approved of the new Community Standards Bylaw. The new Community Standards Bylaw covers a variety of behaviors relating to use of public spaces, including odors, idling, feeding wildlife, and loitering. The controversial bylaw brought many community members out to say their piece before Council on Tuesday. Many delegations expressed their concerns that the bylaw would have a disproportionate impact on already marginalized populations, especially those who use substances, struggle with mental health issues, and houseless people. Excuse me if it sounds rude, but this policy you are considering about is something like kicking someone when they're already down. You don't want people in the bushes, you don't want people in tents and sleeping cabins, and you don't want people on the streets downtown. Well, where do you want the people? Your job is to look after every citizen in Kingston. Where will these citizens go? You need to know in the long run that what we do to others, we end up doing to ourselves. One community member even expressed that they have already noticed a shift since the bylaw was brought up at the Administrative Policies Committee meeting at the beginning of the month. Um, This bylaw states that it's not going to be implemented until May 2024. In speaking to people who, some of whom have been permitted to stay on the streets of downtown, this bylaw is already being implemented. You might have noticed walking down the streets, the streets have been swept clean of people and people have been told to leave. So, you know, I have a question about what does that say about the due process that's even indicated in the bylaw itself. I genuinely have a question about that. After sitting and speaking with folks, I learned that the bylaw officers have been telling people that a new law has been passed by city council. You are no longer allowed to sit on the sidewalk because customers are afraid of you, you are threatening, and you have to leave now. These folks are some of the kindest, friendliest, and most generous people I have ever met in Kingston. They endure much verbal abuse from customers on a daily basis, and yet they keep a smile on their face and they greet every passerby saying, how are you, I hope you're well, have a nice day, even if that person yells obscenities at them. There are a number of people that I haven't seen in a few weeks, and I don't know when or if I will ever see them again because they've been bullied out of downtown by bylaw officers. I often chat with people on the street, doesn't matter if they're sitting panhandling or chatting with friends, doesn't matter their socioeconomic status. Those of us who live downtown, who work downtown and shop downtown, we check in with each other. And I find it very disturbing that because of this bylaw, there are members of my community that I may never see again. I may never encounter them downtown. Approved. This bylaw is already varying wildly in how it's enforced based on people's socioeconomic class. I do wonder, will tourists in downtown Kingston be told to move along if they're sitting enjoying a coffee, a croissant? Will myself and my friends, when we stop to chat on street corners, be asked by bylaw officers to move along because we're loitering on the sidewalk? Maybe we will, but maybe we won't because we have nicer clothes and we have a safe place to sleep at night. Other community members stepped forward in support of the bylaw, claiming it is a necessary step in addressing the increasing feelings of unsafety especially in the downtown core. Um, You can see that there's a lot of concern for staff walking home, um, looking at buddying up, um, encountering 
um, everyday situations um, over and over and over again that are uh, making it really difficult to do their job. Um, definitely, you know, they're interacting with uh, situations with drugs and drug paraphernalia, as was mentioned earlier. Um, you know, they're seeing situations where people are um, screaming, yelling, rolling out into the street, into traffic, and again, just not being able to really um, handle it with, you know, being a lot of the time maybe their first job ever. Um, petty theft for sure, um, you know, lots of feedback from visitors saying Kingston's an unsafe destination, um, that it, uh, you know, reflecting poorly on our destination. After over three and a half hours of discussion and six amendments, the bylaw was approved with a vote of 11 to 2, with Councillors Osanic and Tozo being opposed. Councillor Osanic expressed her concern with the bylaw and the large community response it has elicited. This has been overwhelming. The number of emails that we've received, um, you know, is one of the biggest issues I would say in the last 16 years. It's up there at the top. Um, we've already, you know, done our our motion to do away with the encampment, um, the sleeping cabins. Um, I read the article about how we're called a mean city, and all of this is weighing on on me a lot and I don't want to cry I don't want to cry but we have to be nice and I don't think we're showing we're setting a good example right now I think we're okay we've done the encampment we've done the sleeping cabins you know do I have regrets maybe I don't know but this then is way too much with all of this counselors acknowledge that much of the impact of the bylaw depends on how bylaw officers choose to enforce it according to the director of licensing and enforcement Curtis Smith Officers will be undergoing training and have time to prepare before the bylaw comes into effect. Uh, we are looking at any number of training venues right now, including a nonviolent crisis intervention. We're looking at a number of mental health first aid courses that our people could take. There's a number of other initiatives from other municipalities, so we put out the feelers on that. We're, we're working very hard on that to make sure that we are preparing our officers potentially for dealing with this bylaw. Um, and I think we've got at least enough time, you know, with the potential delay in the implementation of this until May 2024 that we can make that happen. One of the amendments included the addition of a health equity impact assessment, which will be conducted by a third party and used to evaluate the first year of the bylaw. The community standards bylaw is set to come into effect May 1st, 2024. Um, I know this is a contentious report and bylaw. However, taking the measures that are taken, uh, be put in place and those are maybe coming and the fact that we do have to be responsible to our whole population including the marginalized but also those who live in Kingston elsewhere there are situations that um, we do have to look at uh, which may not go off well with the public but that's why we're here to make decisions I believe that public space needs to be open and safe to all but then that does include my unhoused constituents um, but based on what I've heard repeatedly, um, there are many of my constituents, specifically from the northern part of Kingstown, where people are much lower on the socioeconomic scale, that this is not the case. I cannot continue to have meetings with my constituents um, as they detail traumatic experiences that have happened to them and in good conscience say that I did not attempt to address their safety concerns. In a piece of campus news, after announcing the closure of the Bader College campus for the foreseeable future, due to structural issues, CFRC sat down with Vice Provost Evans to discuss the future of the castle. Here's what he had to say. 
Well, to get started, just to get right into it, um, I was wondering how long these structural issues um, that we're having at the castle have been an issue or been on the radar for Queens. So um, the the first we knew of the, the the main structural issue that has resulted in us um, moving out of the castle was the third of November. So um, you know, uh, now it's a, you know, approaching three weeks ago, but um, that was the first we knew about it. I was wondering if you could provide any details regarding uh, what exactly the structural issues are at the castle. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, the first thing to say is that, you know, this is really a castle. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it's a kind of 600-year-old building. Um, and, and so, you know, they they need special treatment, obviously. The, the main issue that we are concerned about at the moment is that it was reported to us that the 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 towers of the gatehouse um so they the castle like you'd expect like a traditional castle has a drawbridge uh, and each side of the drawbridge is is a, a tower that is that forms the gatehouse to the to the castle and we were told on in early november that there was part of the that gatehouse uh, which was unsafe and it could could result in a, a collapse it hasn't done that but it could do that and so that's that same day we we basically sealed we we sealed off and cordoned off um, the whole area of the castle, the whole side of the castle where the gatehouse is. I was wondering if there were any estimates regarding the timeline once construction. I believe construction is able to begin in spring of 2024. Is that correct? What we have to do first is is make it safe and stop it getting any worse. Uh, and we we've um, approved the start of that work. Um, but it needs to be um, that our plans need to be approved by um, uh, English Heritage, uh, which is kind of the body that oversees these sorts of buildings in the UK. So they, they need to, first of all, say that we're allowed to do what we're planning to do. Um, as soon as that authority has been obtained, then we've, we've approved from our end, you know, the contract that will be needed to go about actually um, holding basically holding the building up and making it safe that's the first thing only once we've done that and that that process will probably take about eight weeks only once that's finished will the contractors be able to get up close enough to the building to actually find out what actually needs to be done to permanently fix it um and at this point in time we don't know um what that is because they can't actually get right up to the wall because it's a great big castle wall right so so they they need to get the scaffolding and things up before they can actually inspect it so the answer to your question is that we can start the kind of um the work to make it safe more or less immediately once we've got approval from english heritage only once that's done that will take about eight weeks so that'll probably take us to sometime in february or something only then will we get a report that enables us to know what the actual repair work is and how long that will take absolutely and i'm assuming since things are kind of up in the air right now if you'd like to you can speak to it but i'm assuming we don't really have an idea of what the costs of this project are going to be at all we don't have a clear idea christine i mean we have some very rough estimates which I'm not sure are desperately helpful at this point. It, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, but they run into millions of pounds, right? I mean, we're talking about a substantial building that's, as I said, 600 years old. It's got traditional materials that we'd have to replicate. 
it's it's expensive. Absolutely. And uh, getting a bit into where we are now with students who are at the Bader College, are students continuing with classes online for the rest of the semester? Um, I was wondering if you could speak a bit to um, how they're going to move forward with minimum disruptions. Yeah, so as soon as we knew there was this problem, um, then we we decided we'd stop using the castle completely. The castle is where the teaching space is, in, where the majority of the teaching spaces are. So we took the decision, as you've just said, to, to move the teaching online, except for the teaching that's done in laboratories. So there's a laboratory building which is separate from the castle, and that's continued. And, and any teaching that was done outside, there's a certain amount of experiential teaching that is done outside the building. So those continued as normal. The rest of the classes went online. That is happening. That's been happening since um, the early November. Um, we've only got about 10 days of teaching left. So by the end of next week, teaching will be finished. Um, and then they'll proceed with their exams will have to be conducted online. Um, and then they will, you know, they, they book their flights to return for Christmas. Um, and do whatever it is each of the students was doing over Christmas time, right? So that's kind of none of my business. Um, and but then they'll be returning to Kingston for the winter semester, uh, and we've been working on providing their accommodation and providing their uh, updating their programs for the winter semester. Um, and I guess while students are impacted by this um, and they'll have sort of their own individualized plans that they can sort out, I was wondering what resources are available to them to ensure that they can continue their studies. Well, once they're here in the winter semester, then they'll have all the resources of any Queen student and they'll be looked after in the same way as everybody else is. The resources that we made available to them over this period, um, I went out there myself just after we heard this news, I was there only a few days after we heard the news, um, we sent a three-person student affairs team from Queen's over there the following week, and the deputy provost uh, overlapped with them and is returning tomorrow. So we've had a presence on site to support the students um, more or less continuously for about, about three weeks. Um, the student affairs team has done a, a sterling job um, sorting out the programs and the residential accommodation for students next semester um, and that's all been going on we've agreed that we'll make sure that they're not financially um, you know disadvantaged in any way so we'll be making uh, you know reasonable um, uh, reimbursements of uh, of any flights that needed to be changed we've, we've re refunded half the accommodation costs um, and we've given them a disruption payment. So, you know, we've gone quite a long way, I think, to make trying to make sure that the students are looked after. Once again, that was Vice Provost Evans on the future of the Queen's Bader College campus. That's all for your headlines this week. And next up, I'm passing it to Mia with your CFRC weather report. And now it's time for your CFRC weather forecast. Monday, November 27th, it'll be a mix of sun and cloud with a high of plus 5, and some cloudy periods at night with a low of minus 5. Tuesday, November 28th, it'll be a mix of sun and cloud again with a high of 0 degrees. And then at night, it'll be cloudy with a 60% chance of flurries and a low of minus 4. 
Wednesday, November 29th, it'll be cloudy during the day with a 60% chance of flurries and a high of minus one. Check back in with us on Wednesday for your weekend weather forecast. Now it's time for the weekly traffic report from November 24th through to November 30th in the Kingston area. We are first going to be starting off with road closures. On King Street from Place to Arms to the Tragically Hip Way will be closed November 29th from 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. for the Kingston Frontenac's annual school day game. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed November 24th at 8 a.m. to November 25th at 10 a.m. for the Vanier Cup Fan Fest presented by Queen's University. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until December 22nd for the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Centre project. And now we're going to be moving on to parking disruptions in the Kingston area. Princess Street from Collins Bay to Bay Ridge, expect delays until November 30th for the construction of new sidewalks and traffic signals along Princess Street. Please note that one lane of traffic will be maintained in each direction at all times on Princess Street. This was Kat bringing the weekly traffic report from November 24th through to November 30th. I hope you all have a lovely week. And now it's time for the Community Concerts and Events Calendar from November 29th to December 5th. If you have an event you'd like covered on our website or news programming, contact us via cfrc.ca today. Wednesday, November 29th at the Club RCHA, catch Craig Jones and the Alternative Facts from 7 until 10 p.m. with doors opening at 4 p.m. and $5 a ticket. Chris Jackson plays the Creekside Bar and Grill every Wednesday night from 7 until 9. Catch him Wednesday, November 29th for free. Also on November 29th, catch $5 dates at Spearhead Brewery, playing a free show from 7 until 10 p.m. There's lots of concerts happening Thursday, November 30th here in Kingston. You can check out the Limestone Jazz Collective with some dinner and jazz at Blue Martini beginning at 7 p.m. for free. It's the last Thursday of the month on Thursday, November 30th, so that means the band Beats Working will be playing at the Club RCHA from 7 until 10 p.m. They'll be playing some great jazz and some songs for Sicily, and it's $5 at the door for non-club members. And you can go to Drag Bingo. It's the free bi-monthly event hosted by Rowena Way with prizes, drinks, fun, and crazy times Thursday, November 30th at Daft Brewing. The event is from 7 until 11, and it is free. Grand On Stage presents In My Body, featuring an international dance and creative team with music by DJ Sashu. Thursday, November 30th at the Kingston Grand Theater. It'll begin at 7 p.m., and tickets are available online now for $20 to $40. Thursday, November 30th is open season. Thursdays with Chris Brown and Joey Wright at Hotel Wolf Island. They're declaring open season on anything musical, and it'll take place from 7 until 10 p.m. and free. You can also catch Logan Willitus and Will McGrath playing the Royal Tavern 2.0 on November 30th from 8 until 1 a.m. for free. On Friday, December 1st, you can catch Casador, Pound Salt, and Julia Finnegan playing a show at the Broom Factory from 7.30 until 10 p.m. Tickets are available now for $20. Also, catch 
Esmarine, an ambitious Canadian Juno award-winning chamber rock ensemble, playing a show at Hotel Wolf Island on December 1st from 7 until 11 p.m. Friday, December 1st, Grand On Stage presents Hunter Brothers, Jake Valiland, and the Sturgeon River Boys playing a high-energy country show. It'll begin at 7.30 p.m., and tickets are available online now for $40 to $50. You can also catch The Empties and Girl Dad playing a show at the Mansion Friday, December 1st. Tickets are available now for $17, and the show will begin at 8 p.m. And once again, it's Live Music Friday on December 1st with Scott Palmater playing the Skeleton Park Brewery from 5 until 8 p.m. for free. Moving on to Saturday, December 2nd, you can catch band Jelly Train playing Blue Martini at 9 p.m. for free. On Saturday, December 2nd, check out Holiday Spice with Tiffany Morgan and Rowena Way, a festive holiday birthday drag fundraiser extravaganza at the Grad Club beginning at 7 p.m. Tickets are available now from $15 to $20. The Stephen Stanley Band, Hugh Christopher Brown, and Kate Fenner will be playing a show at Hotel Wolf Island Saturday, December 2nd, celebrating the lease of Before the Collapse of the Hive album. The show will begin at 7 p.m., and tickets are available now for $20 to $25. Grand On Stage presents Next Generation Leahy, the show filled with beautiful Christmas music as well as fun family favorites. It'll begin at 7.30 p.m. at the Kingston Grand Theater, and tickets are available online now for $40. Saturday, December 2nd, the Celtic Kitchen Party returns with Brian Flynn and Andrew Van Horn playing a free show at the Tiernanog from 9pm until midnight. You can catch some rock music at St. Larry's Pub with a show by No Limits featuring Mason FM Saturday, December 2nd at 7pm for free. Catch the Euro Cafe duo playing a Sunday afternoon show of their best songs in the Christmas genre, Sunday, December 3rd at Spearhead Brewery from 2 until 5. And check out the Makers Meetup. Get involved with connecting many local artists in the Kingston area, Tuesday, December 5th at the Broom Factory from 4 until 6. The event is free and is a networking event. And there is a free open mic night happening on December 5th, uh, presented in collaboration with the Music and Digital Media and the Musician Guild at St. Larry's Pub. And now it's time for the CFRC Community Concert and Events Calendar for November 29th through to December 5th. Have an event you'd like to be covered on our website news programming? Contact us via cfrc.ca today. On November 29th, come and pet Oscar, our fluffy golden retriever, St. John's Ambulance Therapy Dog, and meet his handler, John. Drop in at any point during the hour. Oscar will be at Mitchell Hall every Wednesday at noon by the Student Wellness Services Office on the main floor. Also on November 29th, join the the Okanagan branch for Wine Wednesday, a virtual wine tasting event with Fryn Estate Winery. Aaron Dietzel, ArtSci alumni from Fryn Estate Winery, will guide alumni through a virtual wine tasting showcasing five exciting wines from this historic beachfront estate winery located in West Kelowna in the Okanagan Valley. Learn more about the winery and the blend of sustainability and advanced technology used to produce their award-winning wines. Register at queensu.ca. This event will be from 9.30 to 11pm for Queens alumni only. On November 30th, the Science Rendezvous Kingston is an annual event hosted by Queens Vice Principal Research Portfolio at the Leon Centre in May. 
Many research groups at Queen's have been participating in SRK for the past few years and use the event as an opportunity to improve researchers' and students' communications and outreach skills. Join this session to learn more about Science Rendezvous and how to join our team of over 430 volunteers to promote your research program. Register at queensu.ca. This event will be at the Miller Museum of Geology from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Also on November 30th, we will host two fantastic astronomers, physicists, Mark Richardson and Steve Sakula, who will go head-to-head -head in a debate over theory versus experiment. The event will be hosted by local astrobuff Nick Aurora. There will be time for questions and discussion, and the speakers and other local scientists will mingle with the audience between and after the talks, providing lots of opportunities to chat with some keen astronomers. There will also be a trivia session with questions related to astronomy, with prizes given out to the winners. The event is free and open to all ages. This will be located at the Kingston Brewing Company from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Moving on to December 1st. In 2018 to 2019, the Faculty of Arts and Science introduced pre-doctoral fellowships for Indigenous students. The first of its kind in Canada, the program is designed to support the intellectual and scholarly development of senior doctoral candidates in ways that position them for success. Join us at 4 p.m. on Friday for an online information session to learn more about this opportunity. The session will include a brief 15-minute presentation on the program and application process, followed by a 30-minute Q&A and conversation. For further information and to register, visit pre-doc's webpage at queensu.ca. This event will be from 4 to 5 p.m. On December 2nd is yoga with the Pre-Law Society. Tickets will be available later in the fall semester. Ticket pricing for Q PLS members is $7 minimum. Queen's community members is $10 minimum. There will be more information at queensu.ca and this will be located at the KCVI gym from 5 to 7 p.m. On December 3rd, it's time. A Doll's House is out. Let's go into theater with You Theater Society and listen to this adaptation. This will be performed in Mandarin with English subtitles. Through this narrative, we delicately unravel the silent agonies borne by Chinese women in the labyrinth of contemporary matrimony. Venturing to the shadows of oppression and navigating the corridors of marital confines, we question. The pricing will be $8 for students and $12 for general without handling fee. This will be located at the Theological Hall Rotunda Theatre from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. On December 4th, two SLGPTQ plus students are invited to join Shannon Gendron from 4.30 to 6 p.m. for guided mindfulness and meditation at the Yellow House. Register at queensu.ca. On December 5th, all are welcome to come enjoy some games, candies, music, and our property of NG Queer's Squid Hat. Drop-ins are bi-weekly. Stop by BMH218 anytime between 4pm and 7pm. On December 5th is Varsity Culture Day. Culture Day aims to spread cultural awareness and provide a platform for student-athletes to express their individuality. Doors will open at 4pm with the show from 5pm to 7pm. The cost is free and registration is required at queensu.ca prior to Friday, December 1st at 5pm. The ticket includes food, entertainment, gear, and a photo booth. Prizes to be won by spectators and top three talent acts. Also on December 5th, Queen Starts With Youth Club is hosting a plant potting extravaganza. You'll be given a plant and you can make a flower pot. This is a safe space and stress-free workspace that allows students to take part in calm discussion. 
you get a slip of affirmation with the plant and can plant your hopes and watch them grow. This event is 100% free and open to all Queen students. The event will be from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Drop in at Humphrey Hall, room 132. This was Kat bringing you the CFRC Community Concert and Events Calendar for November 29th through to December 5th. I hope you all have a lovely weekend and week. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the local journalism initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.